I started doing my master's degree in Arthurian literature and I had been accepted to do a PhD to further that along, but I needed the cash. So I literally rocked up to Colin's office one day, said, I'm gonna be amazing for one year and then I'm off. I have accepted this PhD, I'm going. And that was six people at the time and there was me, the administrator, and then the, the, you know, the financial professionals. After one year, I kind of loved it, but said, I can't go from PhD to typing, so we need to figure something out. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> then he said, okay, we'll find something you enjoy. So I did the CIPD qualification through University of Westminster, and then kind of organically, we just grew. It was amazing. It was, for, like I said, six people, and now we have about 55. And this is 11 years on. Mm. Yeah, okay. And your role now? My role now is officially operations director but I have like an HR slant. And so I now have an HR assistant who helps me with everything, which is amazing. And I am hoping now to kind of manage the managers, make sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and continue the vision of growth. Inspiring, isn't it? That was Kate Dossange and her story of swift career development in a fast-growing small company. Two-thirds of the UK workforce are employed in SMEs, so it's little wonder they're known as the growth engine of the economy. But for SMEs like Kate's, which is a small media accountancy specialist called CC Young & Co, recruitment can be a challenge. Lack of funds to launch effective recruitment campaigns, the stiff competition from bigger companies for the finest candidates, and of course the difficulty of providing more comprehensive employment packages and development opportunities, to name but a few. So that's what we're focusing on here, how SMEs can think innovatively about attracting, recruiting and, of course, retaining the best talent. There may not be a career path in the way there is for a large organisation, but what there is is the chance to be part of making something grow and being part of making something successful. Emma Bridger is Managing Director at People Lab. She's an award-winning internal communications and employee engagement specialist. Emma's got a double here in our podcast, though, because People Lab has just four employees, meaning that she's not only working for SMEs, but she's running one herself. It is not the same as working for, for a large corporation, and I've worked in both. And I think it's really about being very explicit about the benefits which are, you know, you'll really be a part of making this company successful and grow. You'll really connect to the bigger picture, which is all great for engagement. You'll probably have a hell of a lot of autonomy. You'll be very visible. Be very visible. But some of the perks that go with a large organisation, some of the benefits that you get, you won't get a lot of that. Gym membership, whatever it might be, sure. free fruit. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it, so it really depends on the kind of the individual's own aspirations and own values and what it is that they want from their career. So for Emma, being upfront about the employer proposition is step one. SMEs often lack the time and internal resources needed to adequately manage the recruitment campaigns and the cost of recruiting is significant for smaller companies which may not have the means to pay recruitment agency fees. Social media and recruitment agencies do have their place and many use them, but word of mouth is a key tool as well. The prerequisite for this to work well? Engaged employees. Engaging your employees is playing a bigger a bigger part in terms of being able to recruit the right people. What I mean by that is sites such as Glassdoor. Glassdoor? If you haven't heard of it, think of it as TripAdvisor for employees wanting to know the truth about what an organisation is really like to work for. I meaning that, you know, how it feels to work in a company is way more transparent than it ever has been before. So when 
candidates when talent are out there looking for, for, for new roles or looking for companies they might want to work with, it's now easier than ever to find out what it's really like inside an organisation. And I think that's set to, um, only set to get bigger and louder and stronger. And so I think getting engagement right, getting employee engagement right, means that you've got people out there, employees out there, previous employees out there, talking about what a great place your company is to work. CC Young has a great reputation amongst young accountants, but the transparency of sites like Glassdoor is still pretty scary. I've looked up a Glassdoor, but I haven't actually seen us appear there yet. How do you I feel do. About that? Well, I was wondering, should we open that door, <laughs> the Pandora's box? Because if you encourage people to know about it, then maybe they, who knows what they'll say. I guess that will start you strive to be the employee, that, the employer that they hope you are. But and you have to accept the good and the bad. Yeah, and then you have to be able to say, okay, fine, take it on, on the chin and, and fix it. Certainly at CC Young, Kate's boss, Colin Young, who established the firm in 1998, has consciously fostered high engagement by making sure that employees at all levels do feel valued. Ever since I very first started, because I was the only administrator at the time, it was never us and them, the professional staff were more important and the support staff were less than. It's always been like everybody supports. If we didn't have those guys doing that, you know, every role, then we wouldn't have the whole team together. And that's a big, big change from the big accountants, isn't it, where it's not like that at all? No, that's very true. And he came from a city background, and so I think maybe he saw that, you know, demarcation where it was that the support staff were, were thought of as less than at the time. And it was demotivating for them. Very much. But then also that the only thing they had to do was they, they rebelled against it. So they kind of had a lot of sick days. They were very, had a lot of attitude and they weren't helpful because they thought, well, that's the only control they had over the their role. And so I think he felt the negative side of that and thought, well, if I can flip it and say, actually, you guys are way more important than, you know, all the accounts assistants put together. If the person who's at reception doesn't turn up, well, I don't get the message. I don't get the (laughs) phone call from the clients. So anyway, he makes us feel, everybody feel important. Which is great for engagement. Here's Emma Bridger. It goes back to something called self-determination theory. It's getting a little bit technical here, but basically the sort of facets of autonomy, mastery and purpose. So all of the work that I do across organisations, hundreds of organisations of every shape and size, those are really the key themes that come out time and again in terms of what people want to be engaged at work. So they want some sort of autonomy, which links to concepts such as job crafting. They want purpose. They want to feel like they're, that, you know, there's a reason for them dragging themselves into the office every day and doing a great job. Absolutely. And and they want mastery. They want to feel like they're progressing and they're developing. And, you know, time and again, organisations get caught up in the hygiene factors and they say, well, we've got fantastic pay, great benefits package. But actually, that's not the stuff that's really going to engage people. And the engagement stuff draws people to the organisation, in your experience? You really see that? Yeah, definitely, especially with the kind of, uh, you know, millennials or Gen Y, whatever we want to label them, coming through now. They've got quite different expectations about work. They want a much bigger say in the way they work. They want much more autonomy, in my experience. Uh, they want to feel like they're progressing. It might not be in your organisation forever, but they want to feel like they, they are moving towards something. So for SMEs, there's a potential virtuous circle here. Engage your employees and they will go out and tell the world how great their workplace is. And more excellent employees will come knocking at the door. It's a real opportunity for SMEs that haven't got the big budgets to bring in, you know, as I said, highly expensive employee brand agencies. Not that they all are, but you know what I mean. Yeah. To, to really use the, the power of peer-to-peer communication and, and uh, you know, using the, the kind of people like us style of communication that we know increasingly is who 
other people trust. Kate is a prime example of how homegrown talent can add enormously to a business. She's got a sense of ownership of the organisation which makes her highly engaged and motivated. But what does home-growing talent, as opposed to hiring in, add? Here's Emma. When you're a small company, in my case a micro-organisation, there are four of us directly employed, mm. every hire is critical. You know, you can't afford to get it wrong, and, and I have got it wrong in the past, and learnt a lot a lot of valuable lessons from that. So it's absolutely critical to, to, to bring in the right people first of all and then to develop them as part of the business strategy, as part of the business growth, um, both people that are directly employed and associates as well. I have to practice what I preach. If I don't get it right with my people, I can't really go and talk to other companies about how to get this right. So uh, a huge fan of kind of investing time, energy and effort in home-growing talent. Research tells us there are some fundamentals to attracting and recruiting the best candidates, the first of which is having that attractive but realistic employment proposition that Emma just talked about. The second is designing a recruitment approach that looks for cultural fit rather than just technical skills. Why? Because one bad recruit can have a serious impact on a small organisation. Kate has her technique nailed. I try and employ like a coffee shop type interview. We sit around the table, I make them feel very relaxed and by like question two, they've left the you know the preparation behind and they're, we're just two old friends swapping stories, having a chat. And then that helps me know whether it's a good fit. Once we get through that stage, we have a technical assessment to see whether they have the acumen to do the numerate side of the role. And what is a good fit? Well, good fit for CC Young & Co is probably quite relaxed, keen for learning. Everybody in our office, whether it's support staff or accountancy, we encourage learning and development. We say, go on courses, do things that you enjoy, we'll help fund it, because we think that if the people are happy, then obviously their production's going to be a lot better. Robinwood Activity Centre is another small business offering residential activity courses like archery and canoeing for school groups aged between 7 and 11 years old. They actively promote from within, so most employees begin in the role of group leader. So it's extra important that the right people are recruited in the first place. Anna Rogers is the HR manager there. We invite everybody to come to the centre in Todmorden for a weekend. Um, we put them through their paces in a range of activities. So team building, uh, we send them off our trapeze and, and leap of faith and they jump off it. We put them on the spot and get them to do a discussion to see how they kind of fare when they're kind of challenged on, on beliefs. We ask them to, ex to talk to aliens. So, you know, we're really... Um, <laughs> the skill of talking to aliens, obviously, is not a key one to our role, it's, but it's... Yeah, it's uh, a new one to me, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's resilience and uh, positivity under pressure. It's, for us, it's, it's not having... Experience is useful, but not essential. Qualifications are not important. It's being the right fit with the organisation. Somebody who's got the potential to develop is hugely more important to us than somebody who knows how to do climbing when they come. Robinwood faces a lot of competition when it comes to attracting top staff and focusing on raising current staff engagement is one of their most effective tools. A big thing for us is, is staff engagement for sure because we're an, our, typically our, um, our organisation is in a, a fairly low paid industry. We pay the staff as much as we possibly can afford to but it's not um, a big salary it's role. It's not yeah. a big salary role, it's not a job people do for money, it's a job they do because they really enjoy it. 
Um, and for us, it's about sustaining that enjoyment. So you come in and we find the staff are really, really happy when they first start. And then after a while of doing doing the job, they sort of get a bit less happy with it. And, and we've really been targeting that kind of involvement, continued involvement and continued engagement. To attract the right sort of person, one who fits with their culture and is likely to stay with them for longer, Anna and the team have been making some changes to their employee proposition and their recruitment strategy. So used to be, typically, we would target university leavers, people who worked at other activity centres. We advertised through all the traditional uh, like E4S and holiday-type job, yeah. job boards. And it was very much young people kind of moving to the area to take up the role. Now we're advertising a lot more locally. We've increased the starting wage as, as much as we possibly can. So we're getting slightly older staff now. So the average age has probably gone up by maybe five years in the last few years. So this is people you are appealing to now who are already settled in the area where your centres are? Yeah. So Do you offer accommodation? We don't. We used to. That's the other key thing that's changed, that we used to. But we stopped doing that uh, two years ago. Staff are just that much happier if they have their own houses. So, you know, they live in smaller groups of people they have actively chosen to live with, which all adds into creating that feel of, that it's a more grown-up job, a proper job, as opposed to just a, a summer out. And that's what we're really trying to develop, is a proper job that people will stay with us and progress and take the opportunities that we, we provide. And this is paying off more people are now seeking Robin Wood out because they've heard what a great employer it is. One of the reasons we, they come to us is that we are seen as a better employer than some of our direct competitors. So typically, some of the organisations that we compete with, our staff will work with them first a year or so, and then they'll hear about Robin Wood and hear that we're good to work for. So what do you do better? Um, the most basic thing is that we employ staff um, on permanent contracts. And a lot of our organisations very much do seasonal work and apprenticeships. Right. Um, we want staff to stay with us, to develop a career with us. All of our staff are promoted from within. Apart from in very key technical roles, such as uh, chefs and IT, everybody else employed within the company starts as a group leader. So there's opportunity to develop a career um, and, and specialise in an area in management. And if proof were needed that these efforts are paying off, Robin Wood has won a place in the Sunday Times' 100 Best Small Companies in both 2014 and 2015. The 100 Best Companies has opened up to people more, made people more open to us when they're reading our adverts and, and catching sight of us that way. We're noticing maybe more people coming through non-traditional routes who've seen the 100 Best Companies, so that's been really great as well. Ah, that is interesting, isn't it? Mm. So how are they different? Are they... Less experience in the industry... And that's great because if they've got that aptitude and that kind of potential, it brings something different to our staff team. Uh, one of the things I've always been most proud of and most impressed with about Robin Wood is the fact that the staff team is so diverse and that everybody fits. It doesn't have to be you don't have you know you don't have to be loud and singing and dancing and have worked with children as an instructor for years. You can be a quieter storyteller or who's been a teacher or you know at one point I remember looking around the staff room and we had somebody who was a forensic scientist, somebody with an engineering PhD, a nurse, a teacher. You know, there's just such a, a diversity. But many candidates wouldn't dream of joining any organisation unless it offered career development, especially younger candidates looking for a varied career. But less than 40% of organisations with fewer than 50 people 
even have a development budget. So how can SMEs compete against bigger organisations in this war for talent? Well, here are some bright ideas. And first up, here's Kate Dossange. One of the things we really try and focus on, and it came organically, but now, having thought about it, it's really like a policy that we have, is to create a path of progression, to have a trajectory and a clear vision for where people can go. We have this Generation Y who's jumpy, and they want to go from one thing to the next thing, and they want to feel like they're progressing, which is fine, and I understand that, but what we've tried to do is foster that within the company, And we've found that with our competitor companies, the feedback we have anyway is that there's this very um, flat hierarchy. So it's you're an accountant and you're the director, and there's not much in between. So what we've tried to do is develop some levels where we've said we have an accounts assistant, the accountant, team leader, senior manager, possible partnership. And really, even if you did one of those every five years or every one year, it would give you five years worth of time to be at the company, which these days is quite a long time. Learning and development can be expensive, as Kate knows only too well. But we have no budget for it. So how it works <laughs> is that we have um, we have a lot of internal speakers where they come from people who we know in the industry. So what we've done is call on those favors. They come and have a chat, and we do brown bags or you know internal seminars. It makes people feel like they're being invested in. Internal knowledge sharing events like those are a great cost-free option and free online L&D courses are on the rise too. You just need to know where to look. Here's Emma Bridger. There are so many opportunities out there. I mean, I I discovered recently, for example, that, um, well, say a recent couple of years ago, that that MIT run fantastic free online courses, MIT. And I think, well, why doesn't everyone know about this? It doesn't have to be hugely expensive. There are so many creative ways that you can do that and invest in your people and, and, and develop your people that isn't hugely expensive and involves, you know, sending them all to, to um, you know, CAS Business School, MBA or whatever it might be. At Robinwood, every employee starts as a group leader doing the job on the ground, which gives all of them an understanding of the product their business offers and employees grow from there. But where upward promotion isn't possible, SMEs need to consider other developmental opportunities. So Anna's recently spearheaded the design of a new management training scheme for employees. We're struggling to have the kind of amount of really top quality people coming through that we want. Right. Um, so we've developed a management training programme. We've made it as varied, as interesting as we can, and we're getting it accredited by the ILM. So they'll come out of it with a certificate as well. So it's an external accreditation. So... Um, for them, you know, it's another CV kind of yes. point. And these measures are having a big impact on retention. The average length of service for a member of our staff is is three years as a kind of ballpark figure. And that's, compared to our rivals where they do a year, is quite a big thing. The average length for managers and senior staff is probably around about eight years at least, so the people who are, you know, progressing really to the top levels are really staying with us long term. And then three years for people doing the sort of group leader job is a good length of time. SMEs tend to employ fewer younger people than larger organisations and undergraduates often say they feel that a larger company might be a safer bet for their first job. But working for a small business does have big benefits. You can learn more skills, develop at a quicker rate, receive earlier responsibility and, of course, stand out in a small company. 80% of the CC Young workforce is under 30. And according to Kate, the size of the organisation is actually a big draw for their first jobbers. A lot of the times I think the team aspect of small company might be really attractive to young people. Quite reassuring. Yeah, 
and similar to what they've been experiencing before in college and university, that they've gone from the, their course and their group to another group of people who are similar to them. So it's a direct advantage over some of the huge, huge accountancy practices that you don't go there and feel completely isolated, or one of 200 who've arrived at the same day. That's right, or pigeonholed into a very specific niche area. So sometimes people go into audit straight away, and then that's all they know. And then you come back and you, we get these candidates coming to us. They've ACA qualified, they've done audit for however long at the big four, and really they don't even know how to put a set of accounts together <laughs> because they've never had to, which is, you know, for us, we go from the ground up, you get the whole spectrum. And then if they decide they want to go big, then that's not something we can compete with and that they can go out into the world. CC Young has also recently started taking on placement year students. They come to us for a year. It's effectively a year-long interview. And then they go back into their, their final year there, and then they can come back to us. We haven't yet had the return person because we've only done it a couple of times. Um, but we're very keen, and we've, we feel that they're full of life. They're very excited about working in London, and they actually get to be part of the team, not just an intern who files and does photocopying. And you think they will come back to you? Yeah, we've had some good feedback that they would. And obviously we have said to them, if you do, you know, your chances are really good, we're going to hire you. <laughs> One of the reasons there aren't as many fresh graduates in SMEs as in bigger companies is that smaller outfits have a quieter presence in university careers offices and the milk round, and that means their opportunities are just harder for graduates to find. So forging links with the universities is a smart way to find new talent. Unfortunately, too many SMEs do feel instinctively that that isn't for them. Emma Bridger. Absolutely, there is, you know, a lot of, of mileage in, in building up those relationships. And I know that, you know, a lot of SMEs might think, well, that's for the big boys, maybe not for me. But there are. But the undergraduates are saying that the SMEs aren't visible. Exactly, exactly. And, and again, going back to the sort of social digital world, I think that enables SMEs to be much more visible. But... You know, from my point of view, when I, I have links with the universities, we do um, research with a few different universities, partnerships with universities. So I think it's it's looking at, you know, what what is it that you that you want? What is your recruitment strategy? Who do you want to bring in? And if a university is the right partners, then just, just go out and talk to them. So reaching out rather than worrying about spending big money. Absolutely. And finally, a word from Kate on what she feels a job at her SME, CC Young & Co, offers employees. I think they definitely feel part of the team and they know their place from the beginning. I can outline the importance of the guy who's doing the filing and how that helped win the HM Revenue and Customs case, you know, 10 years later when we pulled the box from storage and there was the document and how it's not boring. It's every day is new. It's a music industry as well. So that kind of is it's helpful. Quirky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody likes that. But it is very much about like joining the team, being part of the team and then growing along with a business that's changing, growing and quite exciting. And that wins for you against the bigger salaries that other outfits could offer. It does, yeah. The case for joining an SME beautifully articulated there by Kate Dossange. And you can join the conversation or share your own recruitment challenges and innovations on Twitter at CIPD using hashtag CIPD podcast. Thanks for listening.